I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? Welcome to the Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and this week we're talking about coronavirus, the expansion of the surveillance state, and more this week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of this week's episode, I've got a big announcement to make. The Enemy of the Surveillance State podcast is growing really, really fast. It has been listened to in over 39 states and Washington, D.C., in 17 foreign countries. Downloads are trending upward. It may not be spreading as fast as coronavirus, but for a podcast that is less than two months old, I am very pleased, excited, and grateful I'm grateful to you for taking the time to listen and share. I know that you could spend this time doing almost anything else you wanted to do. And being hunkered down over this uh, two or three or 18 week period with coronavirus uh, is not the only reason that you're listening. So I'm grateful to you for taking the time to listen and to share. I really do appreciate you. Thank you for being here and thanks for listening. So people have been asking how they can support the show and help it grow. So I've launched a Patreon account to allow you to support the show with small monthly donations. If you're interested in supporting at $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month, more, less, go to patreon.com forward slash enemy of surveillance. I'll put the link in the show notes and you can just sign up there to begin doing regular monthly donations to help support the show and help it continue to grow. And let me say this, whether or not you choose to support the show financially, be sure to hit the subscribe button or follow button or whatever it's called on the platform where you listen to podcasts so that you are subscribed and you never miss an episode. 
and share this show with your friends and family so they can listen. Privacy is fun, but it's a lot more fun when you share it. The more of us that are exercising privacy, the more private we can all be. So thanks for all that you do for doing that. So that sound clip at the beginning uh, was from the movie What About Bob? It's one of the funniest movies ever made. If you've not seen it, you really should. The hero of the movie is a guy who's scared of pretty much everything and drives his therapist insane before the end of the movie. So given the clear overreaction to coronavirus, I thought it was a perfect intro for this week's episode. So let's talk about the virus. Coronavirus is essentially a highly, a highly contagious form of the common cold. So if you're an infant or an elderly person or your system is somehow otherwise compromised, it can be a big deal. I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm not saying they're making something out of nothing. I'm saying they are making a mountain out of a molehill. And in my humble but accurate opinion, it doesn't even begin to approach the level of something that should cause us to shut down, tank the economy, run small businesses out of business, and spread fear. So the question is, what is behind the overreaction? I wrote an article last week at thenewamerican.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. The headline of that was, Surveillance State Seizes Coronavirus Pandemic as an Opportunity to Expand. So longtime Barack Obama supporter and first, uh, I think he was chief of staff for Obama, Rahm Emanuel, once famously said, You never let a serious crisis go to waste. He followed that up by saying, what I mean by that is that it's an opportunity to do things you could not do before. It's clear that big tech and the surveillance state are following that advice and not letting the uh, coronavirus pandemic and the crisis that is created by it, the panic that is created by it, go to waste. They're using that as a pretext to increase surveillance of citizens. So... When we look at uh, coronavirus quarantines, curfews, and all these other government-mandated measures, just filling up the news. I mean, you turn on the news, you listen to the radio, you pick up a newspaper, it, it's hard to miss it. It's so hard to miss it that it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. But one thing is really clear. Individual liberties are taking a beating at the hands of the state because the surveillance state is using that manufactured fear as a pretext to expand mass digital surveillance. So the Washington Post, I quoted this in that article, the Washington Post is reporting, quote, the U.S. government is in active talks with Facebook, Google, and a wide array of tech companies and health experts about how they can use location data gleaned from Americans' phones to combat the novel coronavirus, including tracking whether people are keeping one another at a safe distance to stem the outbreak. They quote three anonymous sources that they say, uh, said, quote, they are not building a government database, end quote. Now, where have we heard that before? You know, they're collecting all this data, but they're not going to create a database out of it. Of course, that's nonsense. I mean, the surveillance hawks lie all the time. In a previous episode of this program, I included a sound clip of um, James Clapper, who was the director of national intelligence at the time, flat denying in sworn testimony before Congress that the NSA was collecting phone data on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans and then having to backtrack that in later statements and say, well, I was the, the least dishonest answer I could give. So to accept them at their word that they are not creating a permanent record 
of our location data would just be a bridge too far for me. And I hope for you, uh, I mean, again, if you consistently lie to me, don't expect me to believe something that's going to be hard to believe. As cheap as storage is and as much apparatus as they already have in place, it is impossible for me to believe that they are going to collect all of this data and then just analyze it and get rid of it, right? So Google and Facebook have both either outright confirmed or at least given a wink and a nod to confirming that arrangement. Uh, and in fact, there was an article uh, in WorldNet Daily, and I'll, I'll link this in the show notes as well. And forgive me if I pronounce this name wrong. Shiva Ayadurai, a candidate for the U.S. Senate seat for Massachusetts, put out a tweet saying that the crisis is being manipulated. Here's what he actually wrote. Um, As an MIT PhD in biological engineering who studies and does research nearly every day on the immune system, the hashtag coronavirus fear-mongering by the deep state will go down in history as one of the biggest frauds to manipulate economies, suppress dissent, and push mandated medicine, end quote. That was his tweet on March 9th. Okay, in a, for, in a statement kind of following up on that, he said, the real infection here is the fear and the uncertainty that we need to overcome as an American family to get strong and to move forward. So here this uh, MIT PhD who studies the immune system says that it's fear-mongering and that it's being used to manipulate people. And in an article in Forbes... Uh, in the past couple of days, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, writer Zach Doffman, who uh, writes about security and surveillance, uh, says, quote, there's an irony to the surveillance measures being put in place to combat the, clo- the global coronavirus pandemic. The outbreak started in China, the country with the most extensive population surveillance capabilities on the planet, quickly put it to work. Extensive data analysis, facial recognition, phone tracking apps, even drones. The state set out to know who was where and when, and with who, of course, where they'd been and where they were allowed to go. China did what China does, end quote. He goes on to lay out the types of surveillance in other places, such as South Korea, Singapore, Iran, and even Israel, He makes the case that mobile phones are the shortest path to mass surveillance. Here's what he wrote. Our phones are the front end to an absolute wealth of data that can all be collated and mined. Your phone knows where you go, yes, but it also knows who you know, who you speak to, how often. If I add the phone's location details of who you know and look at where those people might also be, I create a data set that provides a map of likely contact. And likely contact means possible infections. And I can go much further building and manipulating that data set using just metadata. So in a previous episode of this this podcast, uh, that episode was called Why Surveillance Matters, Even If You Have Nothing to Hide. If you've not heard it, go back and listen to it. It's the very first episode. In that episode, I addressed the myth that metadata doesn't matter. Okay, because people say the surveillance hawks are forever saying, well, we're not capturing communications, which is a lie, but we're just, uh, you know, even if it were true, they say we're just capturing metadata and metadata is no big deal. Go back and listen to that episode because I I explain why metadata can be a great big deal. And then he goes on to say, 
and so to Europe and the U.S. We're now in this for the long haul. Everything about coronavirus and the fight to stem infections is unprecedented. More and more of our leaders talk about, quote, the invisible enemy, end quote, and being on a war footing. And the technology at their disposal in that regard will create a huge conflict within each of us. We want our governments to do all they can to face down the issue, but at some point we will find ourselves making privacy compromises as never before. And what he means by that, and he explains it very clearly, is that they'll start out with anonymized data. It'll just be data without being able to pinpoint that to an individual person. And then he says, quote, slowly starting to venture into use cases with identifiable data elements. We will see our governments track our phones. So the tech exists and is used frequently. He says, China has led the way for all the wrong reasons, and we have been rightly critical. Now we will be, now we will be asked to question our tolerance for our own governments doing some of the same things for a very different cause. So I remember in the wake of 9-11, and I, I mentioned this in that article that I wrote for The New American last week, uh, in the wake of 9-11, uh, my wife asked me when I thought things would, quote, get back to normal, end quote. And my answer was that I thought that ship had already sailed. And here's what I said to her. I said, I think this is the new normal. And here we are 18 years later, and this is the new normal. I still have to either get naked, scanned, or groped before I get on an airplane. I have to take off my shoes and my belt before I get on an airplane. I'm still part of this, this web of mass surveillance uh, unless I take the steps that I'm taking and the steps that I hope you'll begin taking to exclude yourself from that. But it's still there. And so, see, I'm abnormal, and if you become an enemy of the surveillance state and start doing these things, you're also going to be... Uh, abnormal, because the new normal is mass surveillance. The new normal is a sheeple mentality where, like I say, we get naked, scanned, or groped before we get on an airplane. So my concern is this. If the coronavirus scare continues to put Americans in a position to sacrifice individual liberties, the world that existed less than a month ago may be ancient history. More and more government surveillance and government control are going to become the new normal from which we may never return. Of course, underlying all of this is the fact that big data and big brother can only aggregate data that they are able to collect, right? So if we're taking the steps that we can take to stop them from collecting that data, they can't collate it. They can't aggregate it. They can't de-anonymize data they don't have. So the answer is, and some of these, look, let me say this before I say this. I get that convenience is, well, convenient, but that's all it is. And it's not worth trading liberty and privacy for. So turn off your location services. Don't check into businesses and other places. Use practical measures to protect your privacy and your data stays where it belongs, in your hands and under your control, okay? So I know that, Again, that's going to be inconvenient. We've gotten so used to using our phones on the constant, you know, just on the regular, this is what we do. Uh, even if you do all of the things that I just recommended, even if you turn off your location on your devices, even if you don't use apps that check into places, your phone is still narking you out 
via location from towers and Wi-Fi. You'll have to turn all of that off. So just, you know what? Consider turning your phone off and just being where you are when you're with people. After all, think about this. It was only a few years ago that we lived that way all the time. We just visited with people and we visited with people. We stayed with them and we didn't stare at our phones. We didn't have to show them a cute meme. We didn't sit and browse Facebook while we talked to people. Now, look, if some of these steps are too much for you, that's fine. Just remember to continue increasing your knowledge of how to push back against the surveillance state so that little by little, you can stand up as a full-fledged enemy of the surveillance state. Be sure to listen to last week's episode where Todd Weaver from Purism and I discuss uh, some great tools that are available right now, including the new Librem 5 phone that I recommend. It will be my next phone uh, as a phone that doesn't leak anything. You can shut all of that down. You have complete control over a phone like that. So, so like I say, some of these steps just may be a bridge too far for you, and that's fine. I'm not judging anyone. But like I say, just remember to continue increasing your knowledge. Read what you can get your hands on. Listen to what you can get your hands on so that you are in a better position to at least know what's going on and be able to protect yourself and your family from this type of surveillance. And one, one great way to do that is to make, your, make sure, like I said at the beginning, that you're subscribed to this podcast. Share it with others so that they can join in and learn too. And again, please consider supporting the podcast at the Patreon link in the show notes. Um, I'm going to keep this episode relatively short. I've said pretty much everything that needs to be said. Just know this, the coronavirus, like any other uh, panic situation, like any other crisis, is not going to be let gone to waste by the surveillance state. They will seize this opportunity and the next opportunity and the next opportunity to expand surveillance of American citizens. And it's time that we, as American citizens, rise up as enemies of the surveillance state and push back. God bless you, and we'll see you next week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. <laughs>